And the reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. All that heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I just begin with prayer. Lord, help us to perceive this familiar story anew to be filled with wonder and joy like the shepherds. May we feel your presence among us and in us so that we can shine in the darkness, bringing the good news to all we encounter. Amen. Um, I mentioned to a couple of people that today is known as Low Sunday. It's the Sunday after Christmas Day where the vicar gets to have a rest. So the gig falls to me. And I'm used to that. I knew that would happen. But I don't think I've ever been asked to preach on this particular passage before. It feels like a kind of scrap or an extract from the more familiar story. I actually went back and checked that I'd got the verses right. But it's okay, because we're going to see where it takes us. We all know the Christmas story inside out and back to front, don't we? Donkeys and angels and shepherds and mangers and, I don't know, sheep and hay and a star. But it's much, much more than a quaint annual tradition. Because at the heart of the story is a baby whose arrival changes everything for all time. The first Christmas is the moment on which all history turns. All of creation is offered redemption. And that's good news. It's good news for all people. We know it's good news from the reaction of the shepherds. At first, they were afraid. They were terrified. And my Aretha Franklin impression will stop just there. (laughs) They were afraid, they were terrified. But the message from the angels meant that they were also curious. And they were eager to find out if this extraordinary news could possibly be true. Could it be? Yes. Yes, it could be, just exactly as God's messengers said. 
It's a good news story and a source of great joy. And yet, and yet I have pondered long and hard about whether to talk about joy, their joy, the joy of the shepherds, given all that is happening in the world today, including in the place that we were reading about in Bethlehem itself. So, this is going to be the point that I've got to, and if it's not where you are at or where you want to go, then I apologise, and I commend the rest of the service to you. But let's give it a go. So, the pressures of the festive season, that's meant to be full of fun, can jar with our own circumstances and more widely the suffering that we see around us in the world. Um, There's a respected theologian, uh, Dr. Martin Akkad, who is a priest and an academic. He currently lives in Beirut in Lebanon. And he writes about this icon called Christ in the Rubble by Kelly Lattimore. So he says... This year, I find myself unable to wish you Merry Christmas. Where am I to find merriness? This year, I identify with Mary and Joseph, terrified at the responsibility of protecting their newborn, paralysed by the burden of an infant who must be made to feel safe against all odds amidst the deafening explosion of bombs, the crushing dangers of collapsing buildings, the murderous stares of threatening soldiers. And so he says he will spend Christmas just sitting and lamenting before the icon. And that's understandable, and I respect that position. I really do. Disasters, conflicts, climate crisis can make it all seem like the darkness is winning. But the Gospel of John reminds us that Jesus is the light. John 1, verses 4 and 5 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all of mankind, all the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the time of Jesus, there was darkness and oppression. Palestine was under occupation. His parents had to escape violence. But we can hold on to the good news of the bigger picture. Jesus' death and resurrection have conquered sin and death. We just live in the in-between time, the now and the not-yet time of the kingdom of God. The full outworking has not yet been realized. Salvation in all its fullness will only come when Christ returns. And until then, okay, yes, we do still experience sorrow and pain and death. But, but... The darkness has not overcome it. 
a few of you here may remember that about, I think it was about 10 years ago, we looked at how to worship God using our creativity. And we produced the banners that you could see on the wall. Or if you're on Zoom, you can hopefully remember the the banner. (laughs) I didn't think this through. Uh, The banners on the wall. Now, this coincided with my best friend, Kathy, losing her husband to cancer. And she decided that she would like to make two uh, little panels for our banners. So there's one there, which appears to be only darkness as an expression of her great loss and grief. The future she thought she was going to have taken away. But she did a second panel. And there, there's still the presence of darkness, but she's used, oh, she's used some very fancy things, lighter, sparkly bits and sequins to show the light breaking through. She knew that the light still shines in the darkness. She hasn't just survived widowhood. She has lived, she's still living, she's lived a meaningful life. And she has been a light to others, me included, very much so. So that's just a little example. A key part of the good news is that the world isn't how it was meant to be, but there's the possibility of change held out by the grace of God, that our lives need not continue as they are. And we can ask for Christ to come into our hearts so that we are lights that shine for others. We've sung the carols of Christmas this year, glorifying God. I wonder if our everyday lives glorify God. Do we as a church provide a means for our communities to recognize the arrival of God with us? Let's get back to the story. A child was born, found in the very place that the shepherds were sent. The promises of the messengers unfolded as announced. Gabriel's words proved trustworthy, giving credibility to his declaration that this is the long-awaited Messiah. Born as promised, his identity can be accepted. And the name Jesus, which Mary and Joseph obediently gave to their baby, means Yahweh saves, God saves. It spells out the specific mission on which his heavenly father had sent him. That's to say, to be God's agent of salvation for both Israel and the whole world. He represents the breaking in of the reign of God. And that's a pretty wow moment. The shepherds didn't just shrug their shoulders and go back to work, move on to the next thing. When the shepherds found the Holy Family, they made known to Mary and Joseph and whoever else might have been there, that all, all that had been revealed to them, and they became messengers of the good news themselves, effectively. Mary took their report to heart because it confirms what the angel Gabriel had told her. And as for the shepherds themselves, they told anyone they met what had happened, anyone they met. 
And they returned to the fields praising and glorifying God because they believed the angel and their lives would never be the same again. We've got another slide, maybe. I don't know. Well, we too are called to proclaim the holy name of Jesus in word and deed until he comes again. And I wonder if this is the point at which you cringe slightly and think, oh, please don't make me do it. Please don't make me share. We've talked before about what sharing good news might look like. You know what? Those shepherds were ordinary people just like us. They hadn't got any special theological training. They hadn't been on any kind of evangelism course. They exhibited curiosity about what God was saying. They observed what God was doing. And they told people about what God God was doing in their lives. It was all their experience, their truth. And I think that's a key for us. We can show and tell people what God is doing in our lives. Because it's our experience and our truth. They can't naysay it. It's real. We don't need to be bashing people over the head with all the verses we've learnt. We can keep it simple. We can be sensitive in how we choose when to engage. But remember, it's our experience. So take heart. Take heart. The Christmas stories show us God with us, fully immersed in the messiness of everyday life, in experiences of vulnerability and powerlessness, at the mercy of heartless and uncaring political leaders. Someone said, the incarnation brings heaven to earth and it brings earth to heaven. A stable and our own homes become chock full with divinity. This is good news. Joy to the world. Let me close in prayer. God of joy and celebration, thank you that even in the midst of the darkness, we can celebrate light. We yearn for the day when your kingdom will come in all its fullness. As we watch and wait, help us to welcome you into our hearts and to share the good news of your work of salvation with others in word and deed. Amen.